Well, this should be fun. Yes, yes, welcome back. Who'd have thunk it? After just eight episodes of the award-winning ATFMB podcast, that I, your host, would suddenly and nearly almost inexplicably disappear for several months. And by several, I mean more than one, but less than 12. Anyway, anyway, I, I, I'm back now. ATFMB is back. All things from my brain, the podcast, we're back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To, you're, you're, you're too kind. Thank, thank you. I, I, I do appreciate it. Uh, 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 okay. Okay. Shut up. That's better. <sighs> so, what have you been up to? Oh, crap. Forgot. <clears throat> this isn't an interactive deal. <clears throat> sorry. It's, it's, it's been a while. Um, sorry. 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 For, forgot. This is not radio. This is a podcast. Slightly different. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see what's new with me in, in, in the intervening months since the last podcast in this podcast, uh, podcast, I've done a lot. Uh, number one, I bought a house. That's different. Um, that's really different. That's like growing up. Anyway, uh, I've, I, I'm one of those first time home buyers. Uh, these are the people that have been taking, taking all of your tax dollars, in the form of a tax credit that's just all the rage these days. It's an $8,000 tax credit. It's really kind of cool. Uh, if you're a first-time home buyer, you can qualify for it. I qualify for it. Um, the IRS tells me I'll, I'll get that check in months. Anyway, um, I've spent it a dozen times over, like a hundred times over. I mean, it's $8,000, but in my mind... Since I don't actually have it yet, it's like a million dollars. I, I, I swear to you, I've spent it on everything from uh, getting this tree removed on the new house property that needs to get going, um, to putting in new windows, to buying a car, to buying a really tricked out Apple laptop, uh, like a MacBook Pro. I mean, you name it, and I have spent that money a hundred times on it. As for the house itself... It's great so far. Uh, I like it. It's a it's a two story two bedroom um, with two and a quarter baths. The, it's got some character to it. Now now the re- realtor, the inspectors, everybody who's you know officially involved in this kind of crap, they have told me that this place had actually two and a half bathrooms, not two and a quarter. But I, I put it out there that. If I go into a room and I cannot turn around in that room unless I'm standing very still and just kind of like spin in one spot, that's not a full room. That's a quarter of a room. So trust me when I tell you it's it's two and a two and a quarter baths, not two and a half. The basement, uh, th- th- this this house, one of my one of my intentions with it was for this to be the new universe production studios. I mean, I was going to do this podcast. I've got this really cool basement. I'm going to set it up, um, do all this kind of cool stuff down there. But I have to admit that the basement is full of spiders and not little spiders. I mean, they're like gigantic, big black spiders. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that a war is going to come soon. Uh, the spiders will be on one side, the humans on the other side. And the prize, the prize for this war is going to be control over the basement. 
uh, if you think that owning your own house... Actually, the bank owns the house until I finish making payments 30 years from now. If you think that owning your own house, that, that that's going to solve all of your problems, <laughs> let me tell you. The truth is, it creates all new and different problems for you. Take, for example, contractors. I had one that drove me up a wall. I've already had my own cliched, stereotypical contractor incident, is what we'll call it. Um, someone said to me, they said, no one likes their contractor. It's just, it's just a fact of home ownership. You get a contractor, you don't like them. Fine. Whatever. All I know is that I was more happy to see the back of this guy as he was driving away, taking his weird subcontractors with him than I was on the day I actually signed the paperwork to get the house. So take from that what you will. My new plan for the house was to have an office in the basement where I could, among other things, record this podcast, uh, hopefully in blissful silence, because one of the things I've had problems with in the past has been a lot of ambient noise. Um, But that plan has not come yet to fruition due to the spider army. So I'm recording from the second floor of the new universe's base of operations, uh, which is my bedroom, until such time as a decent spider weapon of mass destruction can be developed or... I can afford the new desk and shelving and stuff that I really need to put down there in order to make that office a a viable place to be. What else has been going on? Uh, Oh, of course, the other big news is that, you know, my mom did have cancer. Um, That was a a kind of a bumpy journey. She's happy. She's healthy. She's cancer-free. She had to have some major surgery. She's been off work now for... Almost three months, I guess. So it would have been November just before Thanksgiving when she had her surgery. So it's been a while. Um, And the thing about the cancer is that even though she's cancer-free now, you never know if it's going to come back. So uh, it's kind of like seeing a chiropractor. Once once they've fixed you, quote-unquote, they still need to see you every two weeks for the rest of your life. Uh, In mom's case, it's it's once every three months for a... uh, ultrasound kind of scan or a MRI or something like that, you know, and then uh, once a year, a full body scan just to make sure that, you know, none of the cancer is coming back. Um, and if it does to give us an early enough warning that we can do something about it. So, so that, that's been a, a huge big deal. Um, but you know, enough talking about me and the house and other stuff. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on out there in the world. Well, one thing that's that I kind of want to talk about that really covers almost everything that I do like to talk about as far as technology, publishing, media, television, music, Apple, uh, it, it has to be the iPad. And unless you live under a rock or in the basement as a slave to our spider master overlords... You should know by now that Apple announced a giant new thing. It's it's like an iPod Touch, but it's not. It's like an iPhone, but it's not. It's not quite a computer desktop kind of thing. It's not a, really a laptop. Um, it's this thing that has people all over the world bristling with anticipation, shivering in orgasmic waves of techno-enthusiasm, or shaking their fists in hateful rage. Who'd have thought 
something as simple as a tablet computer can invoke so many different reactions from people. The iPad, as it's been named, has already caused three major publishers, Macmillan, HarperCollins, and Hachette. I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, Hachette. Um, they've all told Amazon that they're no longer willing to concede to the $9.99 ebook pricing Amazon has been pushing on them, all in favor of the new iBookstore pricing from Apple that ranges from 13 to 15 bucks as a starter price. But really, um, the way that this pricing model works is that they'll be able to set their own pricing. So that's kind of what the publisher's like. According to tons of sites all across the web, the new pricing model appeals to the publishers because it actually makes them money versus Amazon's model, which is costing them money every time an ebook is sold. Um, they lose money on that $9.99, according to the publishers. Uh, this whole brouhaha has kind of exploded. Um, it became a fight. Amazon pulled the buy links from the Macmillan titles. And if you don't know, if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, I've never bought a Macmillan title. Um, if you've ever bought an imprint from Tor, like Tor, Forge, um, probably Rock, I think is Macmillan. Um, any of these books is a Macmillan title and you would not be able to buy them on Amazon due to what's been going on. After a couple of days of intense debate out in the public domain, Amazon backed down and they said that they would um, go ahead and, and, and talk about changing the pricing and they're going to go ahead and put the buy buttons back on the site for the Macmillan titles. But days later, they still hadn't done it. Um, you still could not buy a, a brand new book from Amazon from Macmillan. You could buy used books, but that was it. Authors like John Scalzi, um, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, Scalzi, Scalzi, he's the author of Old Man's War and several other books. Um, he's a blogger, huge kind of guy. Um, they began to rally uh, the publishing industry, the authors, everybody, you know, to, to make it known what was going on that Amazon still didn't have the buy buttons up on the website. After two weeks... They finally did put them back. But in the meantime, uh, the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, they put out a call to all of their members telling them to remove links to Amazon from their websites. Uh, they went ahead and pulled it from the uh, SFFWA website. And independent bookstore sellers, I mean, they started shouting, hey, look at us. We're here. We'll sell your books. You know, take the Amazon links down and, and, and change them to links to our sites. And a lot of people did that. Um, it, it became a huge, huge thing, um, which is why I kind of wanted to focus on that, on the whole iPod thing or iPad thing for this podcast today for the return, because um, I don't think it's going to end. I, I think the iPad, even though it's not on the market yet, um, is a game changer. Which leads me into something completely different, um, something I've never done before, which was kind of fun. It was technology um, that I've never used before. It was a challenge. But what I ended up doing was I brought on a guest. I decided to bring someone in to chat with me about the iPad, about Apple, and then, I mean, we ended up going all over the place. We were talking about Google, Blizzard, Doctor Who, Dollhouse, Torchwood, Sci-Fi, you name it, and, and we chatted about it. It was a lot of fun, and I wanted to share that with you today. Um, so 
the rest of this deal is really that conversation that I had. So without any further ado, let's cut over and listen to the interview that I did with uh, Quinn, my friend. Here we go. So uh, I wanted to try something new, so I decided to invite someone onto the podcast and kind of have like a, a back and forth kind of thing. And um, I went through my entire list of friends, and only one person responded. And this is Q or Quinn, and I've talked about him before. Uh, I don't know. Do you even want your like last name on this thing? I don't care. You don't care? No. Nope. So Quinn Perkins. Um, I, I usually say Q, but. Uh, so, Clint, introduce yourself. Tell us, you know, what your geek creds are and why you're qualified to be on this podcast. Hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm a, a software developer, loyal Apple user for uh, many, many years since, oh, I don't know, the Apple Plus, I guess. Um, was that before or after the Mac 2CX? Oh, that was way before. Come on. Before? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I, yeah. I, 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 did. I had CXs, FXs, CIs. I, I, I did use an Apple uh, two in elementary school. I think we all did. Yeah. Yes. So I, I certainly played plenty of, of games in on the Apple II in my quote-unquote programming class. Well, see, and then I upgraded sarcastic air quotes to a Trash 80. Yeah. Well, I during my childhood, we had the TI-99-4A. Mm. From, from Texas Instruments. Oh, yes. And that was a fine computer, and uh, that's actually probably the first thing I, I did some programming on. So uh, thanks to the parents for getting me one of those computer things. Yeah, I, I had the, the Tandy Color Computer 2 with a uh, like a 10-inch Curtis Mathis black-and-white TV. Yeah. Playing on a TV, storing your files to a cassette tape, all the... The high-tech uh, accessories of Ugh. that age. Yeah, that just makes us old. Now I'm kind of depressed. Anyway, so uh, software developer, uh, sci-fi geek. Um, I think you told me once that your favorite show was what, Flash Gordon on the Sci-Fi Channel? <laughs> no. 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 Probably very, very little... Uh... Very little uh, Flash Gordon on any platform in any incarnation. That's been my favorite <laughs> of anything. So, gotcha. Um, uh, let's see what else. Oh, um, father of two. Father of two small boys. Corrupted both of them. My six-year-old's an avid World of Warcraft player. Oh my God, he's six. Yes. Six years old now. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he's an avid World of Warcraft player. He's also a StarCraft player. StarCraft player is actually playing just in the latter stages of the campaigns of uh, Warcraft 3 right now. Right. Um, and he had a little kid over for a little girl over for a play date today, and uh, they were going to try to see the, the fantasy movie Aragon, and my wife stopped him because that would be inappropriate. And so Quinn instead took her over to his computer and showed how he was invading a human village with an <laughs> army of undead. And they were... Gaining strength by eating the dead bodies. Right. So yep. that's now yeah, much more appropriate. For oh you. yeah, definitely, definitely. I can see that. Yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> he's also a, a master Jedi. The last time I saw him on the Wii. Yes. 
Yes, he's uh, been working with his lightsaber skills. Beat the crap out of me. He's also got honor points on World of Warcraft for PvP, doesn't he? He has dueled far more people than I have. He's he's better at it than I am. And I tell you, it's still extremely amusing to me to go see what he's doing because he's you know, he's just starting to, to uh, read and write well, but certainly not to a level where you could chat during a, an MMO. And he'll be in a party full of people, and they'll be chatting like mad trying to get him to do stuff, and he's just making his own way, attacking people, going here and there, and you know, they're screaming at him through the chat environment. We, we, have a, we have a term for what he is. We call it a Chinese farmer. <laughs> well, obviously, Chinese farmers have a purpose. Yeah. He's more like chaos incarnate. Gotcha. So. Um, I would actually like to talk about your younger son, though. Uh-huh. Um, Augustus? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I think he's stalking me. Oh? Um, it never fails. I, I, I go to check my voicemail, and I've got several that I think are from you. And really, all I hear is heavy breathing. And your wife in the background, yeah, like my, making breakfast or something. Both boys are big uh, iPhone users. So yeah, they, I, I can tell. But I think I think it's August. I think because I, I noticed when I come over, he looks at me. He just he looks. He just yeah. stares. And he so doesn't I, trust you. I know. Oh, He's I, heard the stories. I have an untrustworthy face. What can I say? Um, so, uh, again, to kind of get. Uh, slightly back on track. Um, the, the reason that I wanted to, to have another voice on here was to talk about um, the iPad. You are definitely a Mac. If I'm a Mac, you're like a big Mac. Um, uh, trademark registered copyright McDonald's. Um, because I'll still use a PC. Well, I will too. I'll just curse a lot while I do it. Right. I hate, I mean, I am a, a, I guess what they would call an Apple fanboy, but I would love someone to come and use that as a derogatory term near me because it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's a badge of honor. Right. Uh, You know, why would you use something different? (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, that's what I say. You know, so uh, I think you are more of a Mac than I am. You even like the accessories that I don't like. You like the flat keyboard. Oh, I love the the low-profile keyboard. Now, I'm, I'm not a, the only thing that Apple makes that I don't like a lot are the mice. I I hate the mice. Yeah. I have swapped out for some low-profile wireless Kensington mice. I and, have been uh, searching. I have not found something that I like yet. Oh, I have to. Quinny likes it so much, I had to get him one, too. So hmm. the three Macs at my desk all have these little wireless mice. Gotcha. Yeah, I need to get something else. And, and and to be honest with you, I mean, I've been such a heavy computer user in the past. I don't really like the wireless mice at all because I go through so many batteries, even even the rechargeable batteries. You know, it's like I couldn't keep the rechargeable batteries charged enough to keep the friggin' mouse going. Well, I mean, I use my mouse eight or ten hours a day, and I probably change the batteries. That's what uh, I said. You're a lightweight. <laughs> look, look at my Twitter feed. People look at it. They go, are you ever offline? Even when I'm sleeping, I'm you better, apparently online. You better just hope that at some point your employers for your real job don't catch hold of your Twitter feed because they'll be able to see how much you're really working. I Twitter for them too. <laughs> That's true. I, my tweet my tweet deck is set up with not only my personal account but with my business accounts. I do this for work. Right. I do. Totally. I know. 
So to, to quickly get off that topic, um, let's talk about the iPad, <clears throat> um, which is the reason that I wanted to bring you on, because I figured as the Mac guy, even more so than I am, that you're going to know more about this iPad than anybody else in the world other than Steve Jobs. That might be. I doubt it. But it, it's worth you know pursuing. That's so, right. I think it looks like a wonderful device, and I guarantee you I'll have one in my hands the day it's released. <laughs> uh, I had a lady on Twitter actually ask me. She's like, I'm, I'm looking for something. Uh, the guy at Best Buy is, is, is telling me I should get an iPad. Um, what do you think? And I asked her, what are you going to use it for? And she's like, well, I'm a writer. I need to be able to write remotely. And I said, well, can you type on screen? And she said, "Ooh." You don't have to. I mean, it comes with. I mean, even right out of the gate, it's going to have a dockable keyboard from Apple. Oh, is it? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see that. No, it comes. Apple has created the, the first accessories for it. One of them is a. Uh, it docks right through the bottom, and it's a little vertical stand with a traditional keyboard in front of it. Huh? No, I hadn't seen that. And they have announced that it will support Bluetooth keyboards. Oh, really? Which the iPhone will not. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that either. But doesn't at that point does it uh, is it still as portable as you want it to be? Well, I mean, if if you're going to sit down, if you're going to sit down someplace and hammer out a, you know, thirty-page report, you might want a traditional keyboard. You might not, but you know, you pull it off the dock, walk around anywhere you want. You know, I think one of the big things, uh, you know, Steve Jobs in his uh, presentation of the iPad, I think correctly pointed out that netbooks are just cheap PCs. They're not really a different class of device. Mm-hmm. This is a appliance. This is not a computer without a keyboard. This is something different. Well, I, I mean, obviously they're they're wanting to go into. Uh, they've got the what did they call it? The iBook. Uh, is that the software? So that's going to be the ebook reader, and then through um, the iPad version of iTunes, they're going to have all kinds of media going through there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're going to have what TV? They're talking about ninety nine cent TV shows. Yep, they're talking about that coming out with the the rumors that that'll happen with release. I don't know if you saw the uh, the numbers that came out of the iTunes store when Apple allowed the uh, music publishers to vary their prices and bump them up above a dollar. Their sales went down. Right. Surprise, surprise. So <laughs> I, I think Apple has come back and is going to try to talk the you know the, the television studios and whatnot into the. You know the benefit of a, a low price and volume sales. Well, and and I mean that kind of leads into the whole ebook thing. You know, uh, Apple came out with the the iPhone or actually the iPod first, and iTunes, and they had the whole marketplace, and they they set the price at ninety nine cents, and the music industry signed off on it because so far, you know, no one had done anything with music online. It was like a throwaway. They didn't expect it to take off. They didn't expect it to do anything, and it exploded into this huge market. And as soon as it did that, then the music company came back, and they're like, well, we want higher prices. And Apple said, well, that doesn't work. Now you've got Amazon who launches you know, the Kindle, and they try to do what Apple did. Um, for you know what Apple did for the music industry, they tried to do for the ebook industry, 
and they set a price and they're like, this is what people are going to pay for it. And they go to market and people are buying these eBooks and, you know, they're putting them on their Kindles. Apple announces the, the iPad and they say, well, we're not going to do um, the wholesale model, which is what Amazon's doing and they're losing money on it. We're going to do the agency model. We're going to give 70% of each sale back to the publishers and we're going to let them set the pricing. Mm-hmm. And Amazon's whole cart just falls apart. Yeah, I would not. I would not want to be in the Kindle division over the next twenty-four months. Well, what's the difference here? I mean, why is it that that Apple can do what they did, but Amazon can't? You know, like copy that model and do the same thing with the eBooks. Oh. They they really thought that they were going to come into this from a, a position of strength, and it didn't happen. I mean, well, Apple just knocked them down. The best part of, of Amazon's platform was the ebook. They sold more ebooks than they did traditional books uh, through the Christmas season. The the problem isn't with ebooks. Uh, the problem is with the Kindle. The Kindle has some strengths, but overall is a clunky device, extremely limited. Uh, and, and you know it it had it had a brief period of time where it gained some market share, and believe me, that is over. Um, <laughs> it, oh, it's the same kind of thing, you know the. Uh, creative had a mp3 player line and a decent share of the market and when the ipod came out it wasn't because it was the first mp3 player it was because it was the first mp3 player that was done in a a user-friendly way with a compelling you know complete package and that's the same thing that they're doing with ebook readers Uh, i I don't i mean there are people who are going to do uh you know traditional hardbound book kind of reading there. They're going to do read periodicals, newspapers, these kind of things. Black and white, grayscale, you know, this cl- incredibly clunky page turning and, and, inter- and uh, uh, buttons and interface options on the Kindle. It's, it's, it's gone. It's dead. Now, you have people who are just as loyal to the Kindle as you or I are going to be to an Apple product. Well, they're not going to want to throw out cash, but what I mean, the Kindle costs a little, what, like ten dollars less than the iPad. I mean, no one there's they're, they're, you're not going to find someone who's going to look at a Kindle and look at an iPad and say, oh, you know, I want the black and white gray one that only does books. So, uh, what you're thinking is the the same kind of logic that I used in 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 looking to purchase the the iPhone when it came out. Yeah, I looked around at the different phones that were on the market, and I, I thought to myself. You know, why would I want to have an iPod and a phone, you know, separate? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. I just get the one single device? And what you're thinking is that people are going to think the same thing. They're like, well, over here I can get the Kindle, and that will get me a book, and I can read a book. But if I get the iPad, I can read a book, and I can watch a movie, and I can play a video game, and I can work on my spreadsheet. Surf and... the web, check your mail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, <clears throat> not to... Not to uh, come down on, uh, you know, traditional reading as a format, but you know, obviously that's that's not what probably is going to be driving iPad sales. It's going to be the the flashier multimedia, the games, the things from the App Store. But I can't, you know, if if you if someone gave you both devices, I don't think you would use both. You would, you know, give the Kindle to someone else and continue to use the iPad for everything. Even if you've already bought a ton of books for the Kindle already, and you can't move them over. Well, I think there'll be some, you know, there is a, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean, right now there's a, a Kindle app for the iPhone. So there's presumably that, that app will work on the iPad. There's no reason you couldn't get all your Kindle content on the iPad. Hmm. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. 
That's interesting. Um, so you could keep your Kindle account with Amazon, purchase books, and still read them on the iPad. Yeah. It's probably not going to be as nice of a reader as, well, at least in the current version, it's not going to be as nice as Apple's. Well, but we don't even know if they're going to take the the uh, the Kindle app to the iPad. I mean, the way the iPad's working right now is you can take your iPhone, iTouch apps, you know, stuff that are there right now, and you can play them. Um, and I guess it said you could do them in a... Uh, a reduced size in the middle of the screen. Some of them you'll be able to stretch up, mm-hmm. um, and then there, obviously there's a new SDK that'll that will allow developers to uh, create modified apps that'll fill the screen and look good. I think on an e on an ebook, I mean your the uh, the books themselves, the content. It's not like that. That's imagery. They're not raster files that are kept there. It's it's uh, digital type that's rendered to the screen. So. I think you could probably do that in full resolution on the iPad and it'd look fine. It's not going to look as, again, you know, if you look at Apple's with the the demos of dragging your fingers across it and seeing the, the page turn and some of the other types of stuff you can do on the Apple. I mean, if if, if it's, you know, the Kindle app versus uh, Apple on a GUI, uh, I'd hate to be on Kindle side of that war as well. So then your advice to anybody who's thinking about getting something like this is to hold out for a nook from Barnes & Noble. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you even looked at the nook? Does anybody care about the nook anymore? Is it just no. pointless? No, no one's going to care about the nook. I'd be surprised if they even – I wouldn't even ramp up production much if I was them. You know, even you – know, what? But I think they some, Oh, I, I – and I'm sure they'll sell a few. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the – Windows Phone is now out. You know the Microsoft's not dead in the mobile space. They're going to keep coming after it too. But uh, what, what's interesting is, you know, um, Bill Gates had had a comment about the iPad, and he said, you know, it wasn't very impressive mm-hmm. um, because it didn't have a pen. Yeah, yeah. Well, if if there's only one vendor in the market that has the multi-touch patents locked up, then I certainly would look for something else as well. Yeah. The, multi, the multi-touch is what's going to make the iPad different. Uh, you know, and, and multi-touch on the, the iPhone is wonderful. But when you're doing a more complicated application, like, say, a game, uh, you know, your, your fingers aren't small enough and the screen's not big enough to actually do anything. You, you, and it's all one hand. Looking at an environment where you could use both hands, ten fingers, multiple swipes on a big screen, I, I cannot wait I cannot wait for the first real-time strategy game that is designed for multi-touch on the iPad. Really? Oh, yeah. It's going to be amazing. Hmm. I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I one of the things that I love about the iPhone is the retro gaming feel of it. You know, I mean, there's tons of side-scrollers. It, it takes me back to, you know, friggin' Contra on the NES. Right. You know, I, I it's just, it, I'm, I'm having a blast with all these side-scroller games. And when you talk about, you know, not using two hands, I use them, I use two thumbs. You know, I've got a thumb on the left that I'm doing stuff with and thumb on the right that I'm doing stuff with to play these side-scroller games. And you can hit the touch screen. I mean, touch screens are a dime a dozen. Everyone does touch screens. Multi-touch, where it's actually monitoring up to 10 input points for each finger and can see whether multiple ones are attached at the same time and can record different gestures from each hand. I mean, that's going to really change up what you can do on an interface dramatically. So, you know, okay. little thumb, thumb, thumb things on the side are, are well and good, but I think there's going to be a lot of options for 
intricate multi-touch games with the iPad that the iPhone just doesn't have as much real estate to to implement. So are you, are you, are you looking forward to like someone like Blizzard coming along with something really cool for it? I don't imagine why they wouldn't. You know, there's a money to be made there. Um, and you know, you look at uh, almost every major publisher has come out with with you know iPhone versions of their title. Oh yeah. The, com- the Command and Conquer for the iPhone is is very difficult to use in that size, but looks nice. And the the iPad has a whole lot more horsepower than the iPhone does. Let me tell you something. Um, my friend Tom in high school uh, used to force me to play that stupid game, and he would get it on the on the Nintendo, and he just loved that game. God, that game was boring. I know it's one of your favorites. I'm I'm not a. I guess I'm just not a, a an RTS guy. You know, it it just bugs the crap out of me when I have to sit there and. And, uh, you know, mine for stuff and feed my soldiers and I can only move one space over with this one and this one I can move two spaces over and it takes 20 moves to get to a battle. And Well, it's a, that sounds like the last one you played was 15 years ago, but the... that, that was the last one I played, believe me. <laughs> the, the real-time strategy, obviously, is, is a, is a fast-paced limited market there's going to be all kinds of things for the platform i mean what there's a hundred thousand apps in the app store now uh in january after the ipad the the new sdk was released uh, they track the number of new project starts it tripled after the sdk went out wow already there is a crazy insane amount of of iphone development and uh, uh multi-touch development in the app store it, it, you know, we're at just the beginning of it, and it's already tripled. So it is going to be crazy the amount of material that's coming through for this. And you know, the, you know, it, everything just seems to be lining up perfectly. You know, the uh, Apple has went out and been making lots of investments in new data centers, uh, buying up small companies. They are preparing to move as much of their. Uh, software real estate as possible up into the the cloud and this is a perfect device to try to get to that kind of stuff so right. uh, i think it's i think it's going to do much better than people expect and a lot of it's going to be driven by the creativity from the app store what do you think about all the <clears throat> the bitching from the developers about the approval cycle well, that's, I don't know if you've seen the, the stats for that. Apple has really made big improvements on that. And they now have widgets that come up that tell you, you know, the average amount of, of uh, time waiting for approval. Uh, those, have, those have plummeted. They have released a lot of the, you know, a lot of the VoIP apps and things like that. They used to block. They don't do anymore. Well, but now Google went around them. They, they went through, um, they, they, they basically said, you know, with Google Voice that creating an app which they did, and then they put it up, and then Apple turned it down for whatever reason. Uh, there's lots of different thoughts on, on why that was turned down. Um, obviously, the, the big rumor on the net is that it was AT&T. You know, they, they basically said, this is a phone. People are paying us for a service. We don't want a VoIP app on here. Well, you, do you know what confuses me? And, and maybe there's something I'm missing. Are you a Google Voice user? I am not, no. I, I've, I've been a Google Voice user, and I was a Google Voice user before when it was Grand Central. Um, Grand Central and Google Voice, they're not VoIP apps. Google Phone is a 
it's a forwarding system. It does voicemail. It does some things like that. But it relies on a uh, now Gizmo is what they use primarily, and Google did buy Gizmo and probably will be wrapping up a Voice over IP app completely into it. But most of the problem they had with Google Voice, it was not. It was not uh, trying to do voice over IP in various places. It was the ability to check your Google voicemail and to do some uh, forwarding of mail things back and forth. Right, but I, I think AT&T just felt threatened by it. So oh, they, like, they didn't want anything to do with it. They didn't it, want it on there. I can imagine that AT&T feels threatened by anything at this point. Their, their situation is so <laughs> fragile. So, uh, But they have Luke Wilson, <laughs> who has apparently gained some weight. I mean, you can see it in his face there. But even, you know, the... I think a lot of people were surprised by them sticking with AT&T in the release. No, no comment on Luke Wilson? Uh, I don't care. Okay. Uh, but what, what, what Google ended up doing was they, they bypassed the app store completely. And what they did was they released a deal that just said, go to Safari, go here, and boom, you've got your access to Google Voice. Mm-hmm. And they but said again, that's... Well, they it's said not, that, that that's in line with their policies and their strategies, which is, you know, no desktop applications. They want everything web-based. Have you used Have you used the Google apps in uh, on the iPhone? No, they work really well. It's really nice, very light web based clients uh, for all the Google apps. So, um, you know, for Docs, for uh, their spreadsheets, all, all the things that you can do through the the Google Apps environment, and you know the Google Voice. And with that, you know, light, full featured web clients. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I, I haven't used them uh, simply because I've 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 opened a couple spreadsheets, I've opened a couple of PDFs in my email kind of thing. It looks great. I love that it's it's actually the deal. You know what I mean? It's not like some weird text BlackBerry version of stuff, right? Um, but it's also small enough that I don't want to mess with it. You know, so I'll look at stuff if I have to, but for the most part, you know, I'll just wait till I get home and. Well, an iPhone, it's nice to be able to share documents, do little tweaks, this and that. But again, an iPad, that gives you enough real space to do something. Sure. You know, the the one thing that I would love to be able to do on the iPhone that I can't, I, I love that they, they made it so that you can attach documents and stuff and send with an email. So, like, yeah. you could you could take a screen capture, um, which I do all the friggin' time, uh, and then email that to somebody. Or you can take a photo and email that. Um, what I wish that they did was multiple attachments. If you could take like three or four pictures and then put them all in one email and send them out, I yeah. think that'd be awesome. Well, the, the, there's no doubt that the, and I, I don't know, they, they need to come up with a uh, a better name for this multi-touch environment that it is because it's not, you know, it's not the iPhone OS purely anymore because obviously it's on the touch now and they're going to be on the pad. But uh, it's still a very young operating system. So there's a lot that needs to be done. And it's, it is different from a lot of people. I've, I've seen so many complaints about people talking about not having a traditional desktop on the iPad. You know, right. where do I put, where do I put my files? Where do I dump my stuff? That and, kind of and, thing. And you know what you you know damn well what my desktop looks like. <laughs> yeah, you, you've seen it many times, and you mm-hmm. you've you you've been mortified by it. So yeah, I'm one of those people. Um, I, I like to have a cluttered desktop just because you know. Otherwise, where am I going to find all my stuff? You want me to put it in folders? Well, yeah. you do that. That's on your computer. And, you know, when, if you look at how they've designed the iPad, even especially in the demos, 
they talk about, you know, you can do this and it syncs to your iPhone. You can do this and it syncs to your Mac. They are not looking at the iPad as a replacement for a computer or a replacement for the iPhone or the iPod Touch. They're looking at it as a third class of thing that you need to have. And in between. Yes, but it's something that you need to have in addition to your other tools. In other words, to really, to really get the best out of an iPad, you can't have an iPad by itself and be using it fully because right. there's nothing to sync to. Now, <clears throat> every time I'm in a room with your brother-in-law, Chris, yes, he bitches about the battery life on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the battery life on the iPad? I mean, they're talking about a, a really long standby. Standby is great, but I, you know, when it's running and you're actually doing stuff. Now, and usually standby is great. Standby a month standby. So yeah. that is great. That's crazy awesome. Yeah. Ten hour, ten hours of video. How often are you? I mean, assuming that you keep the thing on a dock somewhere to recharge it. Uh, ten hours of video. Ten hours of intensive use. That seems like plenty of time for you know to sit down, watch a movie, do a bunch of stuff. I mean, I envision the device. I mean. Mine, when I get one, will be sitting in my living room up on the entertainment center. And when I'm not when I'm not using it, it's going to act as a a digital uh, uh, photo frame. Oh, really? You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, just imagine it'll be sitting up on the entertainment center. It'll have photos in it. It'll set them to switch every you know five ten minutes. And I'll put family photos up there. And you walk in the room, and it's going to look just like a, a nice digital photo frame. Nice. Um, which, quite it, frankly, aren't aren't even that much. You know, you look at a photo frame around the same. Uh, size, it's not really that different in price. So, so, uh, and then you would need to do something. You go pick it up, do what you need to do when you're done, pop it back on the dock. So, what you're telling me is that the way that you sold this to your wife, mm-hmm. that you're going to be purchasing this, is that it's really just a crazy special digital photo frame. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I, I haven't quite worked out yet how I'm going to sell it to my wife, but ah, okay. So what you're telling me is I'll get one first. No, I'm telling you that it's going to be out around the time <laughs> of her birthday. And ah. like a, perfect, a perfect gift. That, that, that actually would be the perfect gift. Um, do, you know, would she ever actually get to use it? I, I, there's no doubt that the heaviest users in the house would be the children. But that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, they, they use our iPhones all the time. And for them to be able to pick it up and surf the web and, and uh, uh, you know. Yes, I know. Watch I, movies, I, play games. You know, I have, called you, I have you. called you before and uh, had a tiny voice answer the phone saying, Hello, Patrick. I'm busy right now with the phone. Can you call back later? Exactly. That's why you need an <laughs> iPad and an iPhone. It's so that your children can play with the iPad while you're talking on the phone. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're, you're thinking it's going to be great for books. It's going to be great for video. It's going to be great for photos. Um, obviously, all the Apple stuff's going to run on there, so you'll be able to do your iPhoto, iLife kind of stuff. And the, the browsing and the email are huge. Right. And the fact that, you know, again, when, when you're talking about a device, if you walk into a hotel room or pull something out of your bag or walk into the house, if it's a computer or a laptop that you have to start up, then you have to wait a long time, uh, get your other stuff out of the way. If this works like an iPhone, you pick it up, you slide it to unlock and go, and it's instant on. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be a beautiful device for yeah. quick access to the things you need and move on. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, 
It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the impact that they have in the marketplace, and I'm talking about Apple here, you know, I, they come up with stuff and people just think, oh, this is never going to work. I mean, all the rumors and, and all the stuff that was going out about this tablet PC, um, you know, now you got all the people that are suing them over the name, which is just silly. Um, you had the other manufacturers who were had already figured out what their price points were going to be um, based on the assumption that Apple was going to come in at $1,000 or more. Yeah. And so they were all going to be, you know, $900 and almost kind of crap. Um, and then they just come in and they, you know, everything that everybody assumes about them and uh, assumes about this product, uh, they just blow it all away. They blow it all away. Well, the price point, I mean, I think if you were to look at the lines, you could have, you could have made a better guess at the price point than a lot of people were, were making. Because, you know, the, it obviously had to be more, you know, a bit more than an iPod Touch, and it needed to be less than the low-end uh, MacBook. So the, the price range that it's at is perfect. And for, you know, if you look at, my God, how many, how many computer users, how many, you know, day-to-day computer users just check the mail, jump into Facebook, shoot out some tweets, uh, you know, surf the Internet a little bit, watch a movie, and then they're done. <laughs> I mean, that it covers 90% of, of, of your casual computer user's operation. Well, but now, that, one of the things that they, that they, I mean, they have... The most lucrative market for technology is still corporate. It's still that business user, and what they're talking about is they're going to have some enterprise stuff for this. Well, I don't think I think for when you talk about the enterprise, it'll be vertical markets. In other words, if you think about this as a device that your doctor could bring into the to your room with you and can do work there instead of having to go around to their PC. Um, if you're looking at uh, uh, I don't know, salespeople on the road, the presentations that you can do on it with Keynote. Um, I mean, I could, I could definitely see some work, but you're, you're, you're nine to five behind a PC at work, uh, you know, bean counter, to not be nice about it. I mean, they, they have no use for this. So th- there's certainly just some niches, but in some specific vertical fields, it will be huge. And the fact you, that, yeah, I just say you're talking. You were talking about the casual user. So I, I just read something about um, casual home user. Yeah, did I read this or did you tell me this not too long ago? I, I can't remember at this point. Uh, something about the apps in the app store started off as very casual kind of stuff, a lot of gaming, you know, stupid stuff. But now it's kind of leveled off, and and it, there's more productivity apps than there really are games and entertainment apps now well there there certainly is a lot of that and and the fact that you have i mean it's really being driven by a grassroots software development i mean they're little these are all the the majority of the iphone apps are done by small shops individual developers people who see a need you know can jump into a, a little gap and fill it it's not by the bloatware vendors that have trumpled i mean it, Look at what all you can't make on a PC today. I mean, you couldn't make anything that has anything to do with word processing, spreadsheets. Uh, I mean, there's huge swaths of software that you just can't, there's no commercial reason to even make them on a PC anymore. And on the Apple environment through the App Store in the multi-touch OS, whatever it may end up being called, uh, the door's wide open. There is no 800-pound gorilla that smashes you out. So. Well, what I'm really looking forward to and what I'm hoping that the iPad does and, and what I'm hoping is that it brings back Corel. It could. 
I mean, anyone could come back in. Uh, I expected I, I expected you to laugh your butt off at that. Oh no, I know you are a, a you carry I, water for Corel. I loved Corel. Corel was so sweet, and I loved some of their stuff too. And you know they uh, they're dead now, and you ought to get over it. But uh, <sighs> in the day, they definitely had their place. Oh, that's cool. Which was usually those people that couldn't afford Adobe products. But oh, there you are. Yeah, says the guy who hasn't bought an Adobe product in 10 years. But why? I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> I don't know either. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, I actually can see, um, to be serious for just another moment. Um, I can see the iPad doing a lot with art. Um, you know, the the ability to touch the screen and be able to do stuff, and and maybe even to get like a like a Wacom type brush stylus thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can see a lot of uh, graphic artists using it. Um, you know, I mean, I can see a lot of designers using it as long as they're not trying to design anything in, in uh, Adobe uh, Flash. Well. Well, let's get to Flash in a minute. Let me just toss out one more little vertical that I see for it is uh, education. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's priced cheaper than a laptop but still is a beautiful textbook reader, um, they're going to have so many textbooks out for it and study guides that are supported from the original manufacturers, and then they can do everything for the web and the you know the video and all these things. It is a perfect device for students. Um you know, down all the way down to elementary school. Well, and, and I mean, that is, that is, I think that has always been the hurdle for people. What they, they never, and it's, they never get it. And it's always kind of difficult to explain you know, they, they look at the fact that they can go down to their uh, megalomart, you know, their, their giant warehouse store and that they pay, you know, however much you pay for that crap. I don't actually know. Um, I don't pay for it. I just use the card. Uh, but I know you guys have like a Costco card or something. What's that like fifty bucks a month or fifty bucks a year uh, or something? I don't handle payments. So. Yeah, I didn't think so. Who knows how much it is? Um, anyway, you, you you can walk into one of those stores and you can pick up a laptop for like five hundred bucks. Right, but it's or a you piece can pick of shit. up you can pick up a, a desktop for two ninety nine, mm-hmm. and so they they don't see, you know, well, gosh, why can I buy this one for three hundred bucks? But if I want uh, an Apple, you know, my opening Apple is a thousand for a laptop, and they don't well, see that. And there's always that hurdle there. And so maybe this will help bridge that gap a little bit. Well, it'll turn it on its head a little bit too, because if when you if you compare a you know little three hundred dollar netbook and its ability to play HD movies, to play games, to do any kind of multimedia at all, and you compare it versus what's going to happen on the iP- on the uh, iPad. It's going to be a night and day difference. Mm-hmm. I, one of the, one of the guys at work um, rebuilt his desktop. This is just a funny aside that I think you'll enjoy. Uh, he rebuilt his desktop over the past week, and he had all of this really really nice PC hardware. I mean, and not your typical stuff. I mean, he had like the best Radeon uh, graphics card you can get. Um, he had the the best processors, you know. He, I mean, he really tricked this computer out. And uh, the only version of Windows that he had was Windows 7. Mm-hmm. And he installed it, and Windows 7 doesn't support the video card. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't support the processor or anything. And he thought he was building himself this kick-ass uh, gaming machine, and he's playing World of Warcraft at 800 by 600. And if he tries to set it at anything else or set the video or, or the, the audio quality, anything higher than that, um, he says it, it just becomes a lag machine. Well, there are, of course, two kinds of people who put together their own machines like that. There's the people that, you know, have some issues with budgets, and that's understandable. But there's a whole class of people who like to fiddle with the innards of their computer instead of using their computer to do something. And And I hate that. And when we talk about the iPad being an appliance, you you know, there's not going to be any issues with, you know, the the viruses and and spyware. There's not going to be issues with, you know drivers and incompatibilities and things crashing and bringing it down it's going to work like people have always wanted computers to work which means you put your finger on it bing it comes to life and you start doing what it is that you wanted to do right so i I think it's going to be i mean a wonderful device for people across across the range now go ahead and you know the only the uh you know the, the the video Camera pieces on it obviously are, are going to be coming soon since the the spacing and whatnot is inside the device now, so I'm not too worried about that. And the, the, which leaves pretty much the only objection that people are having to the device is the whole flash <laughs> flame war going back between Apple and Adobe, and that's well, well. Let me tell you a story. So I I, I please do. I, I, I'm I get to the point where I'm sick and tired of the PC. When, I, how, how long ago was that? Uh, oh, you talking about every day? No, no. This was what two thousand two, okay, two thousand three, something like that. Um, I had gone into several corporate environments where, you know, the IT department absolutely would not let you have a Mac. And before that, when I'd done any marketing and advertising stuff, I always had the Mac. And that's actually why I got into Corel was because, you know, being forced by the IT departments to use a PC, exactly, um, and then being on a budget. You know, I had to get certain things, and little did I know that, you know, you could get Corel, and Corel did everything that Adobe did for a quarter of the price. Oh, my God, I cannot believe you stored the, steered the conversation back to <laughs> to Corel and its strengths in the market at one point. At, 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 at any point. Um, so, uh, you know, get out of there. I've got this. I got actually a, a pretty decent PC, but I, I, I got sick and tired of constantly medicating it. And the thing that most people don't realize about, you know, antivirus software and firewalls and this kind of stuff, the firewall will block stuff, but the the antivirus, it doesn't stop something from infecting your machine. It catches it after it's already done the damage, after it's already infected your machine. Then it says, oh, my gosh, you've got a cold. Here, let me help you with that. And so I I had like a pop-up from uh, Norton or McAfee or whoever it was I was using at the time that said... Gosh, it's time to spend another hundred bucks with us um, to clean your machine for another year. And I just said, "This is ridiculous. I'm done." And so I, I bought a Mac. And now I've got two, as you know. Um, I've got the uh, the Power G5 iMac, um, and then I've got the Intel Dual Core iMac. And when you're working on a PC, if you're doing something really labor-intensive, you can hear that fan kick in, mm-hmm. you know? I never hear the fan kick in on the Mac unless 
I'm on a website running Flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only time. And then what I what I noticed was I would be doing stuff and I'd be on this website and all of a sudden everything would just slow down and then my browser or my Mac with the, the G5 would crash. Would, just for fun, open up your activity monitor when you go to these Flash sites like a Hulu or wherever you might be going and look at your processor and RAM use when you're in a Flash environment. It's crazy. Well, well. Apple actually, I don't know if you knew this, Apple has actually um, changed the operating system. So I'm running, um, was it Leopard? Mm-hmm. Snow Leopard, maybe? Uh, I don't know if I went to Snow Leopard, but I, I don't know what version I'm on. Um, but I'm, 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 on, I'm on the latest, but not the latest beta. Um, and what they did was they've actually contained Flash in its own little sandbox they've insulated the rest of the computer from flash so if you're on a website that calls for flash the operating system now insulates the flash from the rest of it so that only the browser will crash well ideally i I guarantee you my my computer even running the newest operating system still crashes from flash more often than any other application it's a pain it's a pain and to be honest with you, right now, I mean, you know, the Vimeo and YouTube no longer require Flash to watch video. The right. only reason still to, you know, Hulu, use Hulu Flash. still does. Hulu, Hulu, but Hulu, Hulu's entire library is already H.264, has been since two, 2008. The, and they, they use Flash to stream 264. So at any point in time, if Hulu wanted to make the switch to HTML5 or to a a QuickTime type environment, they could do it in a heartbeat. And there's rumors on the net that they are already in talks with Apple to do that for the iPad. Why wouldn't and they? They, just, they just don't know whether or not they're going to do something that's exclusive to the iPad or if they're going to make the change system-wide. I think since Vimeo and YouTube have made such a huge deal out of HTML5 support and that they, you know, all of the big players are making it very clear that they're stepping away from Flash. And I think that Hulu sees that, you know, they have to at least keep that option open or open that door, rather, to give them an escape route. Well, and, and I, I mean, I understand why, peop- why people in general um, like a Flash website. You know, you can oh, and there's all this stuff going on. Oh, and there's music and there's things moving and there's a... But to me, I mean... I've done enough websites. Um, I, I've farted around enough with this stuff to know it's just such a pain when you go to a website and all your buttons are flash, and every time you click on something, everything has to reload, and then this has to happen. And it, it, it it completely turns me off of a website. Well, from a technology standpoint, there's no reason to do that anymore. In other words, you can do as much through, you know, high-end JavaScript, high-end CSS, you can do all of that stuff through that now. And you don't have to worry about it not working. And I really think, you know, uh, last year there were 257 million PCs sold. There were 50 million Apple multi-touch devices. Mm-hmm. So that, there's a huge percentage. And if you look at, at the certainly the mobile web, um, but anyone who sees mobility as the future is looking at the mobile web. Anyone who looks at the mobile web looks that it's dominated by, by Apple's devices. I think that you're going to find a lot of people now when they're designing their websites, one of the main things that's going to go through their mind is, you know, if I use Flash here, I'm not going to be visible to mobile devices. 
Right. So I think Apple will win that war on who's going to hurt worse for not having Flash involved. So, I mean, what do you think Adobe's going to do? Because they, they've obviously invested, you know, tons. They bought Macromedia to, to have this Flash, uh, and they think, you know, that it's going to be the next big thing, and they think that that is the future. Um, well, what's going to happen there? And believe me, I'm, I mean, I'm working on Flash development projects, so Flash is not gone. Flash, <laughs> Flash has its place in a, you know, a rich multimedia slash kind of gaming environment online. I mean, that, that's a, a reasonable place for it to be. Using Flash as your primary method of playing video or audio is is stupid. It's way resource intensive. There's no reason to do it. At one, I mean, it, it had a great point in time because, you know, it killed real and and all the, the proprietary Windows formats. I mean, it killed almost everything. If you look at what's left now, I mean, it's no... You know, I'm hoping that most people understand that the H.264 that's behind Vimeo, that's behind YouTube, that's behind Hulu, that's behind, you know, so many sites. I mean, that is an Apple standard. Uh, you know, Apple has won the multimedia war online. Um, the video is in H.264 somewhere when it's coming out. You know, Silver. You know, Apple are Microsoft coming to the battle with Silverlight. They're fighting. You know last decade's battle they're coming out to fight flash as flash is already on its way out so uh you know flash is going to still have its place but it's going to go back to being something for you know games and interactive uh, very high interactive sites and things like that and it's going to quit being a multimedia format it is it serves no purpose as a multimedia format and as you know obviously as html5 is adopted uh there's gonna be no reason for that type of thing at all gotcha well, at least we know where you stand on it. Well, there's no question. I mean, that's 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 where the industry's going. You know, Google has announced, you know, where Google goes, so goes the internet. And Google has announced that they're moving away from Flash to open HTML5 standards. They're even moving think- away. From, they, they've even abandoned like Google Gears and their own proprietary, you know, uh, desktop web kind of app environments for for standards-driven HTML5. Well, they're now even uh, Google's backing off to to kind of go back a little bit to the iPad and the Apple um, because of Apple's new pricing on the iPad for again for the ebooks um, Google is now revisiting their talks and they've kind of backed off on their uh, hard wall stance with the publishers because they were trying to set a different model as well and now that Apple you know has announced their wholesale deal and Amazon has backed off on uh, their pricing, Supposedly now Google, according to the publishers that are in talks with them, uh, Google is much more amenable to the Apple price model than they were previously. You know, it's, I think it's so funny. The you know when people look at the various iPhone killers and App Store killers and things that have come up, it's almost like they that it's the comments and the discussions are being made by people who have never used these tools before. The iPhone experience and the iTunes experience and its related app store uh, are it's the beautiful user interface, the easy to use user interface, the fun to use user interface that makes these things so strong. An iPhone specs on a piece of paper versus a a Blackberry specs on a piece of paper don't show the strong advantage Apple has as a platform. If you look at 
you know, Google has a lot of strengths and can do a lot of things, but you, it's, you know, they're uh, at a different end of the spectrum when you talk about user interface design than Apple is. I mean, right. go look at the iTunes store, then go to Google.com and, and contrast and compare. Well, and I mean, even even J.J. Abrams stole the Apple design for his Star Trek set. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything. I mean, any anytime Apple makes a change, it it goes out through the market. I think it's funny when the the iPhone came out. Of course, everyone was saying that the the, the touchscreen keyboard was hideous and no one would ever use it and that kind of thing. And now, almost all smartphones have touchscreen keyboards. Right. Uh, yeah, I read that. It said. Uh, uh, was it like ninety-seven percent or something? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, that, that's no longer discussion now. And then you know, the, the iPad, the fact that it has a dockable keyboard and, the, and one built in is not going to be an issue. But I can't imagine that not being a pleasure to you know whip up a keyboard, use it a little bit, and then go back to watching full screen video. Except and no one if wants- it's if it's that that flat damn keyboard that I hate. Oh, I love the flat damn keyboard. I hate that keyboard. What? Why? I, I I I guess when I started writing, I did it on a typewriter, and I like to push down and feel that resistance, and as I'm pulling my finger up, you know, feel that key coming back up. Well, get over it. The world's going away from you, my <laughs> friends. <laughs> no, I I I you know uh, I the cat broke the damn keyboard. It pissed me off. He 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 knocked over the guitar. The guitar came fling, swinging down, whatever, smacked right down the middle of the keyboard. Didn't break the guitar, thank God, but uh, like cracked down the middle of the keyboard. And I was in a panic because I did not want a to go out and get like a like a just a normal USB keyboard. And I want I like the way my Mac looks. I like the white and the pretty. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wanted the Mac keyboard, but they weren't selling the Mac keyboard anymore. They were selling the crappy uh, flat keyboard. Well, of course, and, I've used them all. And, but, man, once you get used to this flat one, it's very hard. I even have some of the little wireless non-10-key uh, t- uh, ones that I thought I'd hate because they were so stubby, but I've kind of gotten used to those, too. So uh, I, I went on eBay. I went on eBay and I found someone who was selling their keyboard and I ordered it and I I fretted the entire week waiting for it to get to me. And now I keep the guitars and the cat away from the keyboard whenever possible. Good idea. I thought so. So we've been chatting for almost an hour now because you're so long-winded. Well, let me, um, let me, say, let me throw out one more thing that I'm excited about. <laughs> I'm just teasing. And Go ahead. And then I'll leave you alone. No, I got one more thing after that. Oh, really? Actually, well, maybe actually, I want I, I, maybe I, I want mine to go last. No, the one of the things I'm, I like is in. Of course, everyone despises AT and T and their and their uh, wireless network. For I, you know what I I, I know I, I don't like I, I I don't know here I I don't have the same problem that other people have with AT and T. I found that if you never make any phone calls, there's not a problem. That's true. That's true. Um, the, the problem only exists when you try to make a call or do something. So really, it's your own problem. But so what you need to be is less popular. <laughs> One of the things I liked, of course, AT and T's. All these networks are dramatically different infrastructure. But the AT and T's 
7.2 high-speed packet access garbage that's coming out that they're rolling out, their quote-unquote 4G stuff, supposed to be in 90% of their market by the end of 2011. Yeah. One of the things that I think is nice, though, is the hardware that's inside of, like, a iPhone 3GS or inside of the iPad supports the new technology right out the gate. So you... You heard the booze, right? Well, at, at, yeah. at the at the expo when Steve Jobs got up there and he talked about the iPad and he announced that there was going to be a 3G version of it, and that the first carrier that's going to be able to uh, sell you the service to be on there is AT and T. The assembled masses booed him. He had to know that was coming. I mean, they know that AT and T is the weakest part of their of their platform. So then, why but- do they stick with them? Well, there's. I mean, here's the thing. The reality is, is that anyone, anyone who had this Apple uh, Apple uh, devices on their network would be suffering. So if if they'd have launched on Sprint or they'd have launched on Verizon, then Sprint or Verizon would be overburdened and hideously underwhelmed. So, I mean, you, you could say that maybe it'd be a little bit less so, but not dramatically. Anyone would have had trouble with the load. The only thing they could have done is to go out to multiple carriers at the same time and spread it out amongst uh, a broader network. And of course, there's some thoughts that maybe that would have been a good idea yeah but at&t's technology moving from 3d 3g to to 4g does have some strengths in the fact that the 3g hardware the current 3g hardware will seamlessly move up to the 4g environment without having to be upgraded so that that's i think that's a very nice piece for the yeah iphone owners and ipod owners and and, you know if, if it's if it's four or five times faster Real world four or five times faster to go from the three G to the four G, that starts to get to a point where it's a a pretty nice little wireless anywhere device. I mean, three G now is just barely tolerable. If it was three or four times faster, that might be interesting. And. At this point in my little interview with Quinn, uh, I had a little technical difficulties, and everything that I was saying came out incredibly garbled, which is kind of funny because we were talking about Google, and then we kind of got off on another tangent here um, that is directly linked to my technical difficulty problems. So we're just going to jump a little bit right into that part of the conversation. I hope you're enjoying it. We, we both know that you have a special ability to find the weak link, the <laughs> worst part of any technology or software. You, you attract things not working. So. I, I don't know. I don't understand why. I, I You know, if you remember, I, I got one of the, um, uh, well, we were working together at the time, and I got one of the very first dual-core Intel Macs, mm-hmm. and I had nothing but trouble with it. I mean, it, I just, yeah, I, I guess I do. I just have problems. Technology. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like uh, Harry Dresden. He can't, he can't use any kind of technology. Well, I don't think probably you're that cool. Uh, you probably, you're like Harry Dresden without any any good side. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> so, um, a couple questions for you real quick. Number one, uh, Doctor Who, the end of time. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm. I guess my expectations weren't set real high. I thought it was disappointing in general. I probably yeah. have to go thumbs down. You, you've been disappointed in general with the show. 
haven't you? You you felt like they've spent far too much time in London. Uh, I think from a, I would I I always hope I always would wish that they'd move just a little bit further towards serious science fiction. And yeah, never going to happen. Never going to well, happen. Well, they could nudge that direction, by God. Uh, but and then, and then all, as well, you know, you've got the entire, not only the entire universe, but the entire span of human history ever. Uh, and of course, you just hang out a lot in London. Well, it, in London. the entire the entire span of human history takes place in London. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, no, it does. I mean, if you look at any science fiction movie, in the last twenty years, you'll find that. Typically, the aliens have a British accent. Wow, yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty sure that's not true. It is if I say it is. How but, about aliens? Yeah, yeah. I think I think they had a I think they had a British accent. <laughs> <clears throat> um, well, Moffat is is you know he wrote Coupling, which I think mm-hmm. you you and I both adored. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was just a fantastic. Series. The UK version, of course. Yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. I mean, for the for the American version, they took out um, they had to take out certain things in order to to translate it, and what they decided to take out was all the funny parts, the, the entertainment value whatsoever. Yes, um, that that show would have been so much better on Showtime because they the, they would have actually left everything in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but now he's taken over the writing. He is he's definitely a Whovian. You know, I mean, he he's he's a Doctor Who guy, um, and I think he might try to take it in a more serious direction. You know, he wrote he wrote the Angels episode, for example, the statues. Mm-hmm. Um, he he wrote he wrote more of the scary stuff. And see, that was that 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 in my mind, those episodes nudged bet more towards serious science fiction. And I'm not saying you have to lose the humor; you could be a humorist in science fiction. But I think when I talk about more science fiction, I'm talking about things that are more logically plausible than, you know, fairy fantasy science fiction that they so often jump down into. Right. Well, I mean, you, you got to kind of remember, it's kind of funny. Um, it is a it's it's considered a children's show. It's part of the children's programming for the BBC. Yeah, even even though it's done by the drama department, it's considered a children's show. Well, you got an environment because it is the BBC. They don't really care what the market potential is. In other words, for their global audience, they would be a whole lot better off going toward mainstream science fiction than you know, silly children's science fiction in London. But obviously, they don't care. So, but it's entertaining. I've I've I've. Uh, I guarantee you, I've been to more Doctor Who conventions than you have. <laughs> Considering I have, I to be honest with you, I have never been to a Doctor Who convention. Lots of fun. Lots I, of fun. I have been to Star Trek conventions, and I've been I to saw Tom Baker in person. So there. Well, that would be very cool. Yeah, I, my, you know, my aunt knits, and I did ask her for one of those scarves. And do you know what she said? No. You sound traumatized. I, I was. I thought that was. I'm like, you know, I thought this would be a great bonding experience. She likes to knit. She's always, you know, knitting things for people. And I'm like, hey, would you mind knitting me this, you know, 27 foot long scarf? And she just said no. I guess if you look at the uh, the American equivalent, and I don't mean this in a in a bad way at all. I'm sure you know that I, I love Whedon stuff, but Whedon stuff can be silly. Yeah. 
but his I, I think he's a, a better science fi- his stuff is harder science fiction than obviously the the who stuff so well but I, it's still silly and lighthearted it, it, it can be but uh yeah he does more he does more serious stuff definitely definitely more serious stuff um it's going to be interesting to see what he does now yeah I, I hope he's learned his lesson with fox you asked me about the end of time. How about how about the end of Dollhouse? How'd you like how that? I mean, that finally it's an opportunity to wrap up a story. It, it it was a unique opportunity for him to wrap up a story. I liked it. I did too. Um, I I I felt like just like everybody else on the internet. I was I was watching the last episodes and I'm going, well, damn, why didn't you do this before? Yeah. You know, it it, it one of the things that I've been wondering is if. I think the people who are writing the sci-fi and creating the sci-fi right now in, in America are, you know, there's the whole story arc versus no story arc. Mm-hmm. There's that whole debate still going on. And a show like Dollhouse, you know, he, he's trying to write this story that he, he's got in his head and he's trying to do it over so many different episodes and he's trying to do this arc. And the argument is, well, what happens is somebody watching something on another network, um, you know, oh, there's a rerun tonight. I'm going to switch over to Fox and check out Dollhouse. Right. They can't just jump in and enjoy the episode. And I think network TV, I mean, you look at like Fringe or some of the other science fiction shows, those are much more encapsulated. But you look at like Caprica or Battlestar or these things out on the cable networks. I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't just watch the next version of Caprica and have any clue what was going on. Right. And, and, and that, is that why these things are dying? Is that why these things aren't making are it? They, are they dying, though? I mean, you look at the numbers again. Uh, something like you know, successful shows today have a fourth of the rating that Firefox did when, or, uh, Firefly did when it was canceled. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, things are just getting broader. Specialty markets are working. Well, and cable, uh, cable's coming up with stuff. I mean, you got Spartacus, you've got um, Burn Notice. Burn Notice is a fantastic show. I, I, I mean, it, it's so enjoyable. It's like, it's like MacGyver on steroids. You know, you got this guy. He's a spy. He's a badass. He can do all this really cool stuff, and he could take a remote control, a paperclip, and some duct tape and build a bomb. Well, you have recommended that to me many times, and I have made some half-hearted attempts toward it, but I haven't watched a single episode of Burn Notice. Uh, uh, that's a travesty. It's a fantastic show. Plus, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> well, I will... Uh, there's so much good TV on right now. It's uh, And for those that can watch it you know, when they want and not have to worry about airing times or dates or low-tech things like that, uh, I'm really. I mean, I, I. You mentioned Spartacus. I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying Caprica a whole lot more than I thought I was. I. I was, uh, you know, after the the Battlestar ended, I couldn't imagine w- wanting to watch something that took place 50 right. years before that was a, a mainly a, a human drama. Right. But the the way they present, I love their mix of uh, human periods, uh, Earth periods. And the, the science fiction storytelling. I mean, it's just—it's a wonderfully made piece. I'm enjoying it tremendously. I, I finally, finally broke down and watched an episode last week, and I—I I did like it. I, I was into it, and I thought, well, well I, I thought, well, this will be awesome. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and start watching this. And then um, the Olympics came on. 
But you started, I mean, you started at one, right? No, I didn't. I just, I just jumped in last week and watched what one. Is, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, if you remember, I, I, uh, they, they had the, the no, pilot. No. Yeah. And, and I watched like a half of it or something. Anyway, at whatever point, I guess I watched it through like to the train exploding and then I just turned it off. At which point you said, are you stupid? Why did you turn it off there? You were just getting to the good part. And I never yeah. went back and, and watched any more of it. Well, go go back and watch the pilot. The second one is very good, but you have to watch them in order. You just heard me saying that people wouldn't have any idea what's going on if you watched in the middle, and that's exactly what you did. I'm Shameful. smarter. I'm smarter than other people. I I don't know that I'd go that far. <laughs> Patrick, go watch Caver from the beginning. The three people who listen to this podcast, I'd like to encourage all of you to go back and watch Caver from the Caver from the beginning. It's good quality television. Gotcha, gotcha. And thanks for plugging. You know how many people are actually paying attention to this thing. Um, I'll, I'll watch Caprica if you watch Burn Notice. Fine. Fine. <laughs> uh, the other thing, uh, it, uh, Torchwood coming to America. H- have you liked Torchwood? I've really liked Torchwood. I've enjoyed Torchwood. I've enjoyed Torchwood. Um, I have, uh, my question for you is this. Let me, let me ask, reverse your question back to another one. How many... British shows have been relaunched in the United States, and that went well. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about the relaunch. See, first they were talking about um, that a Series 4 has, is it Series 4 now? Has been um, greenlighted mm-hmm. because of the popularity of the show on BBC America. Right. But you know I they're have, making an American version of it. I have heard that they're talking about making an American version um, but what I was, I, I'm hoping that they'll do series four first. Well, I'm not exactly sure. The only thing I know is from what I understand is that the, they're going to be making an American version of the piece and that Jack's coming across. Then the only American version of a British show that I am aware of that actually succeeded and did well was all in the family. <laughs> did not know that that started as a British piece. Yes. Archie Bunker. Yes, well, that 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 was a there was a British television show. Um, they brought it over, and what they did was they actually brought the producer and the writer over, and I, they were involved with it from the beginning, from the get go, and they made it into a, um, a successful but, piece. And actually, the second most successful British import would be Sanford and Son. Well, are you making stuff up now? I am not. I am the, not. Uh, well, as far, as far as contemporary stuff, that like a. Uh, Probably a listener to this podcast will know what these shows are. Um, <laughs> uh, the you, Office. You shut up, you. No. <laughs> the Office, you know, is, yes. a, is a British import, and that did well. Of course, all on on uh, Stephen Carell's back. And but. that's that's the only show that I actually did not care for, the British version. It didn't, didn't do much for me either. I kept on hearing people talk about how wonderful it was, and I watched two or three episodes and just didn't stick. They, they tried to bring coupling over. That didn't work. They tried to bring the IT crowd over. Oh, my God, the IT crowd is hilarious. And that fell flat on its face. Um, they tried, in, uh, you know, Fox bought Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. We all know how terribly that ended. Let's not discuss um, that. Yeah, any time you put Eric Roberts in the movie, you know that that's a quality piece right there. <clears throat> That that's going to be really really good. Um, yeah, I, I, 
they're talking about bringing Russell T. Davies over to do it. They're talking about bringing John Barrowman over to do it. Um, if they did that, it has a chance. But I, d- I see them, unless it's on cable, I see them completely stripping out what makes it cool. Because they'll say American audiences can't take it. It'll be interesting to see what how much of the... Uh... <laughs> I mean, the show launched in, in the United States the way it is now would cause, you know, 25% of our population to drop into seizures to see oh, yeah. a openly gay man in the lead role. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they'll freak out. So I don't I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, Starcraft two with no land support. Hmm. At one point, it would have outraged me. I, I guess it just depends. I mean, it, it's obvious why they did it. I mean, if, if you look at it, it's to it's to make sure people pay for copies of their software. If there is any studio that I'm fine with that with, it, it's Blizzard. They've had such quality products for so long. I have never not bought a Blizzard product. Um, so, uh, I, you know, and the way the networks work today, I don't think it's going to be a big problem. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, I played, oh, my God, I don't know how many, you know, days or weeks of my life have been racked, weeks, months, have been racked up with land parties uh, for the original StarCraft. Right. And, I mean, I, people still play. And they still have land parties with the original StarCraft. But the idea, if they get it streamlined enough, the fact that I wouldn't have to bring all my friends to my location to play, and I could still play with you know my five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten friends, and we could play well over the internet through Battle.net, and have the same type of experience, I think that could be cool. So uh, you know, let's talk about that for just a second because you and I know as we've played World of Warcraft and we've gone into instances and we've gone, done different stuff. You know, we're all standing around, we're ready to do stuff, and it's like, hey, hey, Mark, uh, anytime you want to hit that guy. Mark? That's true. No, that does happen. But I mean, Mark. I don't know how many, I don't know how many big LAN parties you put together. I don't know that I've ever had a bunch of people bring their computers over. We're going to set up a network. We're going to get everyone. You know. Oh, and then the router fails, or it well, the router yeah. fails. The cables don't work, and the IPs sure. don't do this, and this machine has to be restarted. I mean, that's such a giant pain in the ass in itself. So everything has problems. Uh, it, it, like I said, a few, it would have outraged me probably three, four years ago. Now it's you know it depends on the experience. You know, if if you, if it has a lot of trouble, obviously it's going to be something that's going to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. But I think it has it. I think it could be fine. Uh, you, you've never console gamed. You you've never really been a console gamer. Uh, I am a casual console gamer. Well, I have the Wii. I have the Wii. It's right. fun as a party game. You know, I, I had you know Nintendos and Playstations and things like that previously with Super Mario Brother kind of side scroller stuff. But if I'm going to play a real time strategy game, or I'm going to play a role playing game, or I'm going to play a uh, even a first person shooter, I prefer it to be with a keyboard on a on a, on a Mac. So, so no Xbox 360 in your future? There will never be an Xbox 360 in my house. <laughs> never? Never. E- even, if, even if Blizzard ports everything over to Xbox and says they're not doing stuff for Mac anymore? I will be, there will be a way that I can get around that. 
I don't buy Microsoft products. They don't get any of my money. I know. I know. And and it's a fun button to push occasionally with you. Because <laughs> I know I know you love to have all your your email on Exchange Pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I know you love the Outlook calendar. Every everything they make has a a reek of quality to it that uh, is consistent. They have they they have a consistent line of products but across what, all their markets. What I'm trying to get out of you, Quinn, for just a minute, just a minute, is how you really feel about Microsoft. You know, quit dancing around the subject. No. I can't. I can't commit to a strong emotion about them one way or another, other than the fact that their products are banned from my household and I loathe them as a technology vendor. So, uh, just like Bill Gates bans iPhones from his house and iPods, um, you ban all Microsoft things. That is correct. So, uh, the Zoom that I was going to get for Quinn, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't do that. No. <laughs> no zooms. <laughs> Well, where would you even buy a Zoom? Do they still sell those? They they do still sell them. Yes, they they do. Um, I heard someone somewhere bought one of those. Yeah, I did too. They they bought one of those in a Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've wasted enough time for one night. What do you think? Uh, probably. Did you have probably. anything else? You you said you had one more thing. Oh, my one one more thing I wanted to toss out was about the upgrade from the three G to four G speeds. So. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I'm still I don't know, yeah. I, not to go too far off on this again when I was trying to close this whole thing out, but <laughs> the uh, the whole three G AT and T mess, it just and and I think I even wrote this up on the blog at one point. It, it reeks of of AOL. Yeah, you know, I, I mean it was it was. AOL, you know, oh, come, you know, we're the gateway to the Internet, you know, and, and a ton of stupid people like me uh, signed up with them and, you know, got the busy signal because they ended up not having the capacity yeah. the capacity to handle everything. And it seems like someone somewhere would have said to AT&T, do you have any idea how many iPods have been sold? But the thing is, is if it, it, I don't really see it as their fault because if you were to look at what smartphones did before. And the amount of traffic that a smartphone would generate on the, the, the network, then they would have, you know, made their projections. Even if they said, okay, what happens if people use twice as much bandwidth as a traditional smartphone user with, an, with a, one of these new products? And they planned everything out for that. They would have been off by a factor of five. Hmm. I mean, Apple, the Apple products generate ten times the network bandwidth of other smartphones. Okay, so, that's, so we've established that you're, you're an AT&T fanboy. I'm certainly not. I just I despise them. One of my hobbies as a as a way to do stress relief is I call their technical support people and I holler at them. <laughs> it's extremely satisfying. I really recommend it to people. Uh, and I I it, it I found that almost anything you can holler at them for a long period of time and almost always they will comp you a free month. Wow. See now. I bitch to my tech support about a product that I have that I use every day, right. and um, they never count me a month. Well, they're they're much more uh, used to tuning you out. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. And in case anybody didn't catch that, he is my tech support for this product, and I can tune him out quite quite. <laughs> you do. I, I've noticed that. Yeah, but I can break stuff like nobody else. 
and people may think we're kidding with that. I'm I'm dead serious. I, I can. I, I find things that no one else can find. I, I mean, I think the, the year was 1989, and I'm working for my uncle, and they, they installed a new Unix-based um, uh, computer system, right, running SCO Real World. Have you ever heard of that one? I know SEO, sure. Um, it, it, it was this uh, it was this full suite of things. So it had you know accounting, it had point of sale, it had inventory, purchase order, general ledger, the whole kit and caboodle, right? Okay. And uh, I, I'm I'm tasked with some menial typing kind of stuff because I'm the only one in the family that can type anything. And I, I'm like entering in prices and I'm doing stuff. And I figure, I guess at one point I, I pressed like the plus button five or six times in a row. I don't know why. I just kind of did. And apparently that entered me into some sort of edit mode. And from that point on, every keystroke I did screwed something up. Mm-hmm. And um, the developers like freaked out because they didn't think that anyone would ever be able to press the the plus key as many times as I did. And they had like set it in there as a special backdoor code for them or something like that. And you, and you hestered it all up, didn't you? I did. I did. You know, that's, that's a verb now online in most development circles. Yeah. Is an end user who messes things up bad, they hester it. The, the other thing I did was they showed me that there was like one screen where I could press F2 to enter an edit mode that I was actually supposed to enter this edit mode and do this thing. And so I, I was doing that. And then I was in a completely different section of the software and I pressed F2 and realized, oh, wow, this makes it so much easier because it, again, entered me into this thing. And I was pressing F2 and entering stuff. And the developer... Uh, or the, the the IT guy, he comes like running through the building. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just pressing F2. Stop pressing F2. Because apparently, again, I was you know destroying the entire system. So yes, believe me, no one can break software the way I break software. I'm very proud of that. I should get an award. I'll be working on that. I'll make sure you get an award for it. Hey, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't have stuff to do. So that's true. That's true. Okay. Well, I think I think we've chatted enough for okay. one podcast, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you coming on. My I pleasure. We, I think we should do this again. I'd love to. <laughs> and uh, and I, I like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I think that was great. Um, any last words? Uh, hi, mom. Your mom, I, your mom doesn't listen to this podcast, I, dude. She doesn't, but I have something exciting to announce. Your uh, iPod uh, viewership, uh, audio ship, is probably about to go up by thirty five percent. Listenership, I'm sure. Will listenership? There you go. I'm sure she'll want to hear this episode, and that will cause your numbers to spike. There you go. Well, you know, she really does like me. I'm like one of your cool friends. I don't understand why. Because I play guitar. She loves that. And she wants me to teach your son. That is true. She wants your son to be a long-haired hippie rock guy. Mm, I don't know that I'd classify you as a long-haired hippie rock guy. You haven't seen the pictures. Well, then that's where we should start next time. (laughs) You you have not seen the pictures, but uh, there there was a time. When I could, I, I looked like I could live in Boulder. <laughs> <laughs>
So as long as you didn't start talking politics with anyone, they would never know. <laughs> never talk politics, religion, or uh, World of Warcraft faction, or barbecue with someone unless you want to start a fight. Nice. Right? Very true. I, I mean, we all know that Texas barbecue sucks. Okay. Let's go back through this again. <laughs> All right. Texas barbecue is the only barbecue. <laughs> no, if they put sauce on the meat, that's not barbecue. Mm-hmm. Another podcast. Another podcast. All right. I think we're done. Okay. <laughs> Boy, the way Glenn Miller plays. Songs that make the hit Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. Well, that's that's pretty much it for this podcast. For the record, um, All in the Family was based on a BBC sitcom called Till Death Do Us Part. And Sanford and Son was based on a BBC comedy called Steptoe and Son. And just to further prove my plethora of useless, trivial information. Um, The old man who played Paul's grandfather in A Hard Day's Night, which was the Beatles film, I I believe that that was the star of Steptoe and Son. There was a running gag throughout that movie about how he was very clean, and that went back to the Steptoe and Son show where apparently he was, because he was a junk dealer, he was always very dirty. So that was kind of a, a nod back to that show. Anyway, um, that's it for this podcast, episode nine of the All Things From My Brain podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Um, had a lot of fun with Quinn and I know we'd kind of rambled on for a little bit. So, um, uh, hopefully that, that didn't suck and, and, that you enjoyed it. Um, always, for more information, you can go to the blog, which actually is new now. It's a, it's a different domain than it used to be for the podcast, so it's now just www.atfmb.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash atfmb. That's all things from my brain. And uh, a couple of the songs that I purchased for this podcast I got off of iTunes, like the theme song from Welcome Back to Cotter, uh, Welcome Back Cotter, and uh, All in the Family. So uh, I always strongly encourage people to go out and purchase those songs, and that way maybe uh, the copyright holders won't sue me. And that's it. Uh, I'll, I'll see you next time.